Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Incomparable, number 623, July 2022. Hello there, and welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm Dan Morin, and I have assembled a panel of truly amazing people to discuss Obi-Wan Kenobi, the streaming series that recently concluded on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to introduce them in the order they will be hunted down by Imperial Inquisitors. Oh, no. <laughs> Kathy Campbell, congratulations. <laughs> You're first. Ah, ah, well, it took you long enough. <laughs> James Thompson is also here. Hi, James. James is gone. I am what remains. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, Chip Sutterth. Hi. Obi-Wan, Darth, nothing. <laughs> Nailed Darth it, nothing. Chip. Ooh. And finally, my co-host over on A Complicated Profession, where we spent many hours talking about Star Wars with our co-host, Kat Benish. It's Tony Sindelar. Hi, Tony. Hi, Dan. Hello, nerds. Dan, podcasters hunt themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> is terrifying. Okay, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is, um, what, what to say about the overall nature of this? <laughs> it is the third live action Star Wars show to be streamed on Disney Plus after The Mandalorian and more Mandalorian, a.k.a. The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, isn't this the second? <laughs> there's, a, there's a half in there somewhere. And the third one to start on Tatooine. <laughs> no, well, oh, no, there's a lot of Tatooine. Um, this, this series... Sort of started out life as a in a standalone film, but was kind of shifted after Solo uh, underperformed by Lucasfilm standard, and instead uh, the entire company pivoted to streaming. So there are some interesting bones of this story because it was adapted from a feature-length uh, script and turned into a six-episode miniseries. Uh, and I figured maybe we should probably start out talking about the star of the show, Ewan McGregor, who, of course, is reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi from the prequels, movies that concluded, what, 17 years ago now? Oh, <laughs> uh, so I want to know, was, was more Obi-Wan something that was on your, uh, on your docket, on your bucket list? Do you want to check that one off? Is this, is this filling a, a I, void that we needed? I mean, I, I would say that uh, he was the one sole good thing, apart from the music, actually, about the prequels. Oh, I thought you were going to say this show, James, and I was going to have to hang up on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Of the prequels, and I think uh, it's really good uh, that we're actually getting him to see something slightly more, uh, I don't want to say deep because it's, it's it's kind of a silly story as well, but I like to see him get to act and have some decent dialogue and yeah. at least be in front of a different kind of blue screen. Um, <laughs> it's not blue anymore. It's yeah. a volume. It's a it's a it's a screen screen, not a blue screen. I, I, I mean, be also because we go to the same hairdresser, I feel a certain loyalty. <laughs> to it. Uh, I will never ever say no to more Ewan McGregor ever for, in anything. Like 
more more you and please, but also more of him doing something that he clearly really, really enjoys. I have watched a ton of interviews where he's talking about coming back as Obi-Wan and the sheer joy in his voice and his face, his posture, all of this. Granted, he is a very, very good actor. So it's entirely possible (laughs) that, you know, it's all an act. I am going to choose that it's not and that he is really excited to be here. And I also really uh, liked the interactions off screen that he's had with Hayden Christensen. And the joy, again, could be acting. <laughs> Head canon is, it's it's the truth, is how much fun that they have together. Um, and so anytime actors get to do something that they have fun with, it makes me really happy. Same. I mean, there has been something of a reassessment of the prequels happening among the younger set, among the people who grew up and the prequels were their first thing. You know, uh, us old folks can look at the prequels and still say these are not good films, but they're a big part of a whole tapestry of Star Wars stuff that people have been soaking in. And as they're coming back and filling in more blanks in the story, um, I have to assume that Ewan McGregor is just really happy to take a mulligan here on playing (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi with a different creative group. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the dialogue in this TV miniseries is better than the dialogue (laughs) that he was forced to embody in the prequel movies. So. I I agree with you, Kathy. I think that he's having fun. I think that he is simultaneously the guy who enjoys making the little Jedi hand move when he comes to a sliding (laughs) glass door at the grocery store. And he's also an actor who is really happy to do something meatier with this character. I, I think Ewan McGregor is fantastic. Uh, I approach all Star Wars uh, shows with equal parts love and skepticism. Uh, love because Star Wars is amazing and I need more Star Wars in my face. And skepticism because, you know, basically as a as, a, as an old person, Dan, you know what it's like. Uh, all Star Wars <laughs> after Return of the Jedi is unnecessary and therefore must prove its worth to me uh and i was somewhat skeptical of the idea for this thing in that it's like do i need more obi-wan do i need to know what happened between are you just going to be recycling a movie idea that you didn't want to make uh but you know ewan mcgregor he's uh he's, he's a pro he's he's a star uh he is delightful and uh, I think this is a much more enjoyable experience with Ewan McGregor than uh, some of the other. I'm not going to name what movies I'm thinking of right now, but they were but they were Star Wars movies that had Ewan McGregor in them. You can do the math on your own, listeners. Not the Ewok Adventures is what we're no. Saying. I don't think he was in that one unless he's he's one. We're of not the talking Ewoks. about some unjustly maligned allegedly movies, are you? No, 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 never. Well, we should fire off the spoiler horn and talk about the plot. <laughs> As Tony alluded, this takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan Kenobi is living on Tatooine, doing kind of what we thought he did during all those years, which was watching out for Luke, keeping a low profile. And of course, if that were six episodes of this show, which a lot of people (laughs) thought it would be, 
boy, it would be like watching paint dry. Uh, <laughs> but that is not the case. As we discovered, not only are there the Inquisitors, who have been previously featured in other material, most prominently, I would say, Star Wars Rebels, um, who are hunting all the Jedi who have escaped Order 66. Uh, we are introduced to a new character whose name is Reva, a.k.a. the third sister, who is a particularly, it seems, brutal and dedicated Inquisitor, uh, and she is looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, and we also are introduced to an, a separate plot uh, that ended up being, I think, a surprise to me, and I would say they kept it very carefully under wraps, which is what is enough to motivate Obi-Wan Kenobi to leave his important post watching over Luke Skywalker, and that is, of course, that the kidnap of Leia Organa, Luke's twin sister and the daughter of Padme and Anakin, uh, and an entreaty from Bail Organa, her adopted father, that uh, he needs help and he summons Obi-Wan to come and find her. I, I think the Leia thing, am I right in saying nobody really had any idea that that was going to be involved at all? No. Nope. I like the fact that the trailer for the show effectively just straight up tricked us into what the show was <laughs> going to be about. It's all about your point of view, James. Yes, yeah, so, so I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I like Star Wars shows that surprise me. Um, you know, it was, I think the, the bait and switch about this being not about Luke, but about Leia was kind of like as good as finding out what the Mandalorian was actually about once you saw the yeah. first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I like the stuff that can surprise me, although the Cl- Clone Wars series managed to trick me into thinking that the prequels weren't bad, which I went back <laughs> and that is a complete lie. They are terrible. Mm. Mm. You know, I know that I'm on the call with some folks who enjoyed uh, solo a star wars story i'm i'm not one of them and the reason that it bounced off of me and obi-wan kenobi did not was that element of surprise solo put more color to stuff that we already pretty much knew uh, but there were surprises in Obi-Wan Kenobi, at least for me. Uh, Leia's presence was one. Uh, some of the other uh, plot machinations that happened uh, this time around. Giving Obi-Wan an excuse to get off planet, uh, having um, some running and jumping and Jedi daring do uh, from a guy <laughs> who is feeling washed up and he's uh, cutting sand tuna for a living. (laughs) (laughs) The surprises in here, the bait and switch from the trailer, those were some of the things that really carried me through these six episodes. Do we know what the, if Leia was in the movie version of this script? There has been an extensive interview with, uh, I want to say Stuart Beatty, who is the, wrote the original uh, pitch. I don't, didn't, see whether or not that element was in it or not. I think he said I think, I, it, I think he said that think it, it matched is. the plot yeah. fairly well to his I mean stuff. obviously I there's other talking. stuff in here because this is much longer. But yes. Right. Right. Much more tuna cutting in this. <laughs> it's full, fully 45 minutes of just Obi-Wan tuna cutting. So did, did, did mm-hmm. we, was he stealing little pieces of tuna? Was that allowed or was that... I'm going like, to guess no. Off books. James, y- your keyword there is stealing. Stealing is not allowed <laughs> yeah. by definition. <laughs> it was allowed. It's not stealing. If you're stealing from the man, I think that's allowed. That, that's just activism. I think it's an example of how degraded his he, he had become. He had abandoned the yeah. Jedi code. He's a tuna thief. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he's reduced to, you know, smuggling small pieces of meat in his pockets. Um, I think ultimately, 
you know, it's it's it has been tricky with various Star Wars media in terms of do they actually have an interesting story to tell? Uh, how much fan service do they have to use to pad in things when they're not sure if they have anything interesting to tell? Uh, and that uh, I was really won over uh, for a trailer when I was like, oh, more Sands, more Tatooine. Why? Why would you do this to me? Uh, but I was won over by the fact that I think they have an interesting story to tell about what is life like for Obi-Wan in this like self-imposed exile. Yeah. Uh, what and and how is he going to kind of be where he will see we'll see him by the time of a new hope and and you know what is the arc that he is going to go through uh, and you know in some ways having six episodes to tell that out over versus a two hour movie uh, may have been uh, a, a much better uh, better plan uh, and and worked very subtly I I think there were a lot of people I saw nerds being angry as nerds are wont to do and they were what? like Obi Wan Obi Wan is not the Obi Wan we remember and it's like that's the point kids <laughs> like that's right? that's like this is the show about how he'll end up there. He's not there yet. That's that's what the story is about. I am shocked, shocked that Star Wars nerds who went nuts mm. over Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi would be upset by his lack by Obi Wan's lack of badassery in the early episodes. Yes, yeah, nerds. It's called it's called depression. Even Jedi's can get right? it. Uh, so anybody who's asking how Obi Wan could age so much in the ten years between this yes. and New Hope clearly isn't approaching that age because trust me, or it, hasn't it lived on Tatooine, yes. a famously right. harsh. Yeah, I mean. I mean, there is a sad thing where I mean I believe you and McGregor is age wise exactly the right age for that. Uh, it's just you know I think Hollywood. you and McGregor is a very attractive man, and I'm not going to say anything uh, bad about other actors who have played Obi Wan Kenobi, but you know they may have not had they may not have had access to the full range of modern technologies and uh, whatever it is that we're you know pumping into you and McGregor uh, to keep him where he is. I think also it has to do with the fact that like Alec Guinness's goal as, you know, the Gandalf style mm-hmm. uh, was very different than what Ewan McGregor's goal is. I have really bad news for people. You your hair can go from Ewan McGregor's to Alec Guinness's in like nine years. That could that can that is not like a problem. <laughs> so yeah. you know, people are like, how can that happen? And it's like, it's called aging. I know you have lived from like nineteen to twenty nine and you think you're an expert on it. Oh, the uh, the horrors that can start for you. Twenty sixteen to twenty twenty sure did a number on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Preach. Much lucky I have any hair yeah. left. Um <laughs> Well, let, let's. Uh, I, I think I agree with you that all, all that the the showing that arc for Obi Wan Kenobi is so important, and I think the first episode especially slow burns. Uh, you know how broken he is, and I think that is one thing that is a bold choice to go into. And I and I really love that they did it. That they spent all that time telling yes. you he is traumatized he is you know basically suffering from PTSD he killed his best friend or believes he killed his best friend and he is just taking himself out of the equation basically to the point where uh, even in the first episode we get a scene where a Jedi who is being hunted by the Inquisitor comes to him for help and we think yeah. surely this will be the thing that that's <laughs> gets Obi-Wan Kenobi back into fighting shape. It's like nope there's five episodes after this people pace yourselves. <laughs> no he, he puts himself into a bit of a trap because he has a mission to protect Luke and that is reason enough for him to sit and ruminate in his failures. So it's a especially in the that first episode uh, I think that 
Ewan McGregor just does a masterclass of a combination of duty and forsaking duty and all the conflict yeah. inside. And, and he keeps trying to bring Luke presents and things. And yes, gets told that's, it, that he's not, he is not well received. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> there is a restraining order out and he is <laughs> repeatedly trying to breach it. You know, and he lives in this cave and he's got his, his, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of that, his, you know, space camel, but like, it's kind of a sad space camel and he has to take public transit and it's, you know, like nobody goes to Tatooine to be around other people. Uh, so to have to go to Tatooine and take the space bus to work every day is, uh, is rough. His best friend is a Jawa who's just stealing from yeah. him and sells it back to <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not great life. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So the inciting incident, as we mentioned, is uh, Leia being kidnapped from Alderaan. This is the first time we've really seen much of Alderaan at all in any Star Wars media, I believe, uh, at least in the canonical, uh, more recent canonical stuff. Uh, I love that we got we get Jimmy Smith's back as Bail Organa. Uh, and yes. uh, as I mentioned, Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia. And then um, also uh, Simone Kessel, appropriately named uh, as uh, Leia's adopted <laughs> mother. And I thought that this is, this to me shows a kind of savviness that uh, Marvel has done a fantastic job of casting characters. Uh, Carrie Fisher is a hard act to follow. And I think they, you know, really did a great job getting Vivian Lyra Blair, yes. who is really good. Uh, she kind of nails She's this performance. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I would say they really spent their money on Leia, not Luke. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody cares. We like, know Luke. You don't need, you don't need more information about Luke. We know everything we need to know. Blah, 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 bored. Uh, I want to leave the planet. But like Leia, I've always wanted more Leia. And so as soon as like that first opening scene where they're getting her ready and then surprise, it's not actually her. Like, I love, I love that trope so much. And when it's done perfectly like this, I just, it made my heart sing. And I really think that Carrie Fisher would have really enjoyed watching yeah, this too. I agree. Child actors are a, a hard, hard thing to wrangle. Uh, see previous Star Wars movies. Uh, <laughs> and they really, they really nailed, I think, what a nine-year-old Leia would be like in that yes. she is fearless and precocious and super smart. Uh, and, you know, perhaps to the degree that she's going to get herself into trouble. Uh, and it, it, I don't know, it felt real in a way where it's like, I, this does not seem like a ridiculous, a version of a nine-year-old this seems like an actual nine-year-old and yeah i don't know i was just i was consistently impressed uh and and uh and it really worked in terms of that performance yeah listen so. i've had a nine-year-old i've had a young mm. and this was flawless this was this that. was yeah. exactly what they would have done <laughs> yeah if they if they had been a princess and lived on you know a planet with uh robots and like run this is exactly what they would have done exactly 
Mm-hmm. Young Leia is very much the same character as young Carrie Fisher uh, talking about uh, Tarkin holding Vader on a leash. And young yeah. Luke is very much, I want to go to Tashi Station. <laughs> yeah. I liked her sassing uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi at various points throughout the series. Just her sort of like under the breath comments and things. I thought it was spot on. Yeah, yes. she does. I mean, uh, again, a great job. And I, I think I said over on A Complicated Profession when we discussed this, if they want to give her four or five years and then do a Young Leia adventure series, oh, please, I think, please. I think yeah. they would be dumb not yes. to do that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Because yes. there is stuff to fill in there. I feel like that is a rich vein uh, at this point. Yes. There is. There's a, uh, there is an episode of Star Wars Rebels that yep. features a very young Leia um, and uh, sort of giving an idea of what she was up to on her path to being a senator. Yeah, there's there's room to go there if Disney wants to go there. All right. So the meat of this show is essentially now. Are we con- back to the sand tuna again? <laughs> 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 you know, the problem with sand tuna is it gets in everything. Mm. everything uh we have the meat of this show which is following obi-wan as he tries to recover leia and then the various trouble that he finds himself in as he is pursued by reva and later on by a more threatening uh monster from his past darth vader this show brings back as previously mentioned hayden christensen to play anakin skywalker both in flashback and to a certain degree as vader himself uh, Hayden Christensen, like, uh, you know, Ewan, you know, playing this role in the prequels. I think a lot of people were very critical of Christensen's performance in the prequels. I don't know how you folks feel he acquitted himself here. Did you feel like that was a, a good uh, addition to the show? I think one of the things, as I was alluding to, is that I've watched all the Clone Wars as well, and his performance has become mixed up in my head with Matt also- Lanters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I think he did fine in this. Um, uh, he, the, the kind of the the flashback scenes were a little strange because they didn't really de-age them to any degree. So it was yeah. Uh, he was obviously slightly older than he was back then. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I as as we all are. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, true. I would like to know how much of Vader was him. Do you find it matters? I mean. I get well, because you know to the point Darth Vader in the original trilogy is played by several people so well this is true um I mean like uh I don't know like if we may touch on this later but with uh Darth Vader's voice there's at least some implication that they used uh re-speecher to do the dialogue rather than actually using James Earl Jones but one of the things for that is it needs to be driven by a performance so I don't know if uh uh, Hayden Christensen did the vocal performance, which drove the software, which made the voice. And that I would like to know. I would too. Um, you know, the Darth Vader character, more machine than man. I mean, making the character for this uh, for this TV series, you've got a little bit of Hayden Christensen. You've got a little bit of James Earl Jones, whether digital or whether he participated, and at least three people who were in the suit. Uh, Christensen himself, uh, in, uh, an, another in-suit performer, and a stunt double. So uh, th- that's just freaking perfect for a-, a character that is cyborg and multi-level, all that stuff. And the reason why I like your thought, 
James, about maybe Hayden Christensen driving the vocal performance. I kind of hope it did work out that way because we saw a very different Darth Vader in this in, in this series. He is angry to the point of recklessness. You don't get to it until the very end of the series, the uh, talking to that the Emperor gives him to turn him into the cold and calculating cruelty that we see in uh, the in, in later performances of Darth Vader. He is so unhinged and angry, and this is so personal for him all the way throughout that I really did feel a lot of Hayden Christensen under the under the armor. I, I did think with that last scene when the Emperor uh, sort of telling him off and he, it sounded like he was saying <laughs> to his father, you know, yeah, I won't do it again. I, you know, I, I, mm. I'm totally over <laughs> this. I but- guess I don't, I don't care where it is Hayden Christensen or where it's Hayden Christensen with robot voice or, or where it's not. I mean, I enjoy the parts where it is clearly him in the flashback sequence and then in the part at the end where Darth Vader's uh, helmet has been shattered and we are seeing uh, part of his face through it. Uh, I think there was a, kind of an expectation that you would see or get a little bit more of him from the kind of the marketing material, but the show is Obi-Wan Kenobi, not Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. Um, a couple and of roommates. So, yeah. So perhaps, and I, I think perhaps just because Aiden Christensen was so prominent in the materials, you perhaps think that you would see, get more of him or there would be more flashbacks. I think what he does is uh, totally fine. And I'm not, I don't know. I feel like I don't need to know how various things were made and what, who was in what suit and whatnot. I just assume that, you know, if the, if you, uh, if you can't see the person's face, they probably didn't pay a, a big name actor to be in that, in that suit. So, um, yeah. I suspect that this was a two-show deal, not a one-show deal, because there are some mm. other there are some other uh, Star Wars universe TV shows upcoming where mm. one could definitely see Hayden Christensen having a role. Mm. Yeah, That's I cool. could see that. Um, I'm I'm really happy that Hayden Christensen was able to, you know, kind of. We all know how the world treated him after the prequels. <laughs> yeah, um, and. It's been really neat. Again, like I said, I've probably watched more like interviews with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen than I have the actual show. Um, but seeing almost Hayden's relief at being accepted because he went through such horrific like bullying um, with the prequels, like I almost feel like he he's like being welcomed back into the Star Wars world, which was really nice for him, I think. Again, I, I these are all my best friends, okay? I <laughs> I I, <laughs> I immediately am like, you're I want I w- can't people just be happy? <laughs> I want people to yeah. enjoy what they're doing. <laughs> and don't be mean. Uh, I want to take up uh, Chip's point about Darth Vader because I thought this was an interesting performance overall and sort of the amalgamated performance that we see of him. This is a Darth Vader that the closest analog that we've seen is, I think, that that coda at the end of Rogue One uh, where he's sort of mercilessly plowing through a bunch of rebels. This is a similar sort of, as you said, he's just given in entirely to his anger, but it reminds us of why that character is so frightening because he yes. really is a terrifying, imposing figure who is just a boogeyman, basically. And I thought that was done exceptionally well to demonstrate his not only his power, but his, you know, in his sort of most Anakin-esque uh, uh, performances of his uh, cavalier 
I don't care attitude. You know, his fight with Riva late on in the season where he's just toying with her is yeah. classic like Anakin Skywalker just being like, I am so sure that I can just smush you. <laughs> I don't even need to try. And I thought that went a long way. I, again, like Tony's point about being concerned about sort of, is there a story to be told here? Wait, are why are Anakin or why are Vader and, and Obi-Wan meeting now as opposed to their climatic, you know, meeting uh-huh. on Death Star in A New Hope? And I think the point is there is a lot more to sort of unpack between the Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope in terms of these two characters. How does Obi-Wan find out what really happened to Anakin? You know, the fact that he survived the battle on Mustafar. Right. Uh, you know, how does that impact his feeling about like, I thought I, uh, A, I thought I killed my friend and felt guilty about it. And B, I thought I dealt with a big threat. <laughs> and it turns out I may have just made it worse. So I enjoyed all of that dynamic. It must be an interesting challenge to write a story where basically you know how everything ends. So you can't really have suspenses about who is going to live and die in a certain situation. (laughs) You you weren't impressed with the trailer for episode six that suggested Luke Skywalker might die? (laughs) (laughs) I think it, it, but it's like there was a certain amount of suspense. And of course, yeah, they introduced new characters, many of whom got stabbed several times with lightsabers and didn't die. It's cauterized. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, life and death, I think people talk about this a lot. And I want to say, I think life and death has stakes. Oh, there's a lot of horrible things going to yeah, happen to you that won't exactly. kill you. Right. And, and I think right. it's also just, you know, <laughs> think of most stories that you watch, especially anything franchise these days, where you're, you you tend to think, mm-hmm. well, I know they paid these actors for X number of shows, right? They're not yeah. really in any danger. Dan, I demand a Star Wars show where I think that you and McGregor may have died during filming. That is the only thing that will satisfy me as a Star Wars nerd. Well, you and McGregor himself Yes. Not, not no, no. I need. I need. I need you and McGregor to be in peril. I need to. I don't want acting. Wow, I want to. I want to see fear wow. in his eyes that he may not survive this this battle. I recommend watching Long Way Up because I watched that mm. thinking, did he die? I would have probably heard if he died. But there's a, there's a number of points in that where you think, wow, this is going to be a really short show. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I think the it is a good point that there is a sort of defined goalposts on either side for this. But I think there's a lot of play in this. As this show, you know, basically demonstrates, there's a lot of story to be unpacked there, even if it isn't, well, does Obi-Wan Kenobi live or die at the end? Right. I think, too, there's also something to be said for the very special breed of Star Wars fans that will take every line that's stated and try and say, oh, well, clearly Obi-Wan and Anakin didn't meet because you could see Darth Vader's reaction in, you know, uh, A New Hope, where he's like, I haven't felt this presence in... but." He doesn't say how long, so it could have been ten years. Like, come on, people, give give some give some trust that these <laughs> the people writing this show are just as are if not just as, but probably bigger Star Wars nerds and are super <laughs> excited about like keeping that continuity and getting the specifics right. Oh, now you've like, done it. Now you've suggested there are bigger Star Wars fans than the people who I watch know, the I, show and I, complain I, about it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How could you make such a rookie mistake? I know. Mistake? I'm just. I'm just. Clearly, I'm not uh, a true Star Wars fan because I have brought out the the Star Wars 
nerdier nerds yeah. i don't i don't know yeah speaking of moses ingram yeah i, I was, was i was literally about show. to go into that thank you james uh, moses ingram who plays reva received a tremendous amount of really terrible uh and i you know racist misogynistic comments basically what shocking i know um I will certainly go on record as saying I thought she was fabulous in this show. She was amazing. I, I yeah. thought she is equal parts menacing and vulnerable uh, in various parts, and I really enjoyed her performance enough so that her her character's fate is left kind of up in the air there at the end there, and I kind of feel like I would be pretty surprised if we didn't see her again somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there are more stories to tell with her, and... And and I think the actor is owed it. Yeah. yeah. This isn't just being political. I think that there is a place for the character to go. But I think the actress deserves uh, uh, some further consideration, especially after uh, ap- after what she went through uh, in, in, in the course of all of this. Yeah. That being said, when you're doing a Star War, <laughs> there are inevitable things uh, to a Star War. Mm-hmm. Limbs being severed. Check. Yep. Rocks floating. Check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cheap redemption. Check. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> really the story of Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader, you know, Darth Vader does horrible, horrible things, throws the Emperor off a parapet and redeemed. Ben Solo, redeemed. Reva, redeemed. Pretty, re- relatively easily. I mean, characters in the Star Wars universe, this is George Lucas's philosophy in a nutshell, and... Dave Filoni and other people at Lucasfilm who are still there pretty much try to defend that, is that there is nothing so horrible that you can have done that you can't get redeemed for and turning away from the dark side in the end. It's almost Calvinistic. Reva does a lot of awful stuff. It's plausible that she is the one who killed and strung up the one Jedi in the first episode, things like that. And it always takes me aback a little bit when I sit back and think about it, about how easy redemption happens after some really, 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 really horrible things. I kind of want to push back on that a little bit because I would make the argument that what we end up with with Reva here is her first step. This is somebody who is hitting rock bottom and realizing I can't go on this way. And it's not... That the point is necessarily there's so things so nothing so awful you can't be redeemed, but that it's never too late to make the right choice is how I would see it. And it's there's nothing suggesting here she's absolved as so much as that's yeah. the first step right. to that's getting a good right. point. That's a good point. And Obi Wan actually does have that line um, in the last episode for her. Yeah, to that effect. Yeah, I mean he might he might look like space Jesus, but he cannot fully absolve her. <laughs> I, Liam Neeson is space Jesus, please. <laughs> I'm a yes. solid man. But as far as uh, Riva goes, I, I mean, I thought that her performance uh, overall was great. I liked the nuance in the dealing with her anger over essentially what happened. We learned that she was a Padawan. She saw Anakin kill all her friends and eventually basically came up with this really long, somewhat convoluted plan to yeah. kill Vader, um, which... Is kind of reckless and unthought through, but I think I'm okay with that. Like, you know, people aren't necessarily always making the best decisions, especially in the light of trauma. Right. And and this the fact that she was so young uh, when it happened, and then this becomes her full, her, like her entire identity. Yeah, it's very plausible that this was the plan because it seems like a plan that a child would make. And then nobody's telling her no. To be fair, most of the plans in this show, and indeed Star Wars, are plans that a child would make. That's uh, true. 
I want to see your plans, James. <laughs> well, like, you've okay, seen do, his plans. James, do not fall into this trap. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying I could have taken care of that siege in five minutes. <laughs> Mm. start the timer it, it does remind me of one of my favorite uh storylines in the old marvel star wars comic where a bunch of imperial officers uh, swear a pact to kill darth vader because they are uh tired of they're tired of being choked and thrown out of airlocks and otherwise <laughs> unionize guys come on yeah, there has to be a, a a house pact or something like that for people with grievances against Darth Vader who just want to get rid of the guy, and he's just too good at his job. He can't; they they, they can't quite uh, pull it off. There, there was a Slack channel, but it got shut down by the end. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as reckless as uh, the third sister is in the early going, and um, just difficult to manage you know she just doesn't fit in with the rest of the inquisitors and then that revelation when obi-wan realizes that this whole thing is so she can kill him um it just it's like a magic eye puzzle you know the whole the whole shape of the uh, story just comes into focus yeah delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Um, we should also mention some of the additional supporting cast. There are both some people revising, uh, reprising, excuse me, their roles, uh, like Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Peace, uh, as well as some newcomers from uh, other well-known places. We get Kumail Nanjiani as Haja Estri, a con artist who is pretending to be a Jedi in what I think feels like very much a performance, especially written for Kumail Nanjiani, uh, which I thought was a, a fun bit of casting. Uh, do you do you have other favorite uh, uh, sort of uh, supporting characters who pop up throughout this show? I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't recognize Flea. <laughs> I, I, I didn't either. <laughs> Same. I I never recognize Flea, who's always everywhere. <laughs> you, anyone could be Flea at any moment, and I would. I would. <laughs> That's true. I think Indira Varma uh, was very good, and I was disappointed, especially because. She kind of like survived the improbable plan that looked like it was going to get her killed, and then she got killed in the next episode. Mm, um, yeah. Shout out to a Torchwood actor. I got to get my Doctor Who yeah. pitch in there. Yeah, there you go. I I was a little disappointed by uh, Sung Kang as fifth brother, and uh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, who played the Grand Inquisitor. Oh, Rupert, Rupert Friend. Um, Ru- yeah, Rupert Friend. I mean, I guess those. It's hard when you're you know. Your villains in a show that also has Darth Vader. <laughs> right? How can you compete with that? Yeah. There was kind of not a lot for them to do. Uh, and they were like, they, I don't even know if they were one note or so much as like half a note. Uh, there just, there was not a lot for them to do except stand around and look annoyed about their jobs. It's funny. Uh, uh, the other Inquisitor we see is played by Raya Kilstedt, who is, I've been watching, she's the villain on Superman and Lois this season. And it was like, <laughs> oh, wait, she's just playing villains everywhere. And she also gets basically nothing to do. Yeah. Well, it was even like, why did they, this is the Grand Inquisitor appears to die and then comes back. And it's like, 
that doesn't really have any emotional impact on me because he didn't really do anything. It just feels like, okay, well, I guess continuity is preserved because it seemed like he, the same guy's hanging around in Star Wars Rebels five years later. I was, I was prepared for that just to be his brother. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah. like identical twin. Yeah. Because the Grand Inquisitor didn't do anything exciting in this one. He's just there to provide connective tissue for the animated series. Yeah. And I do wonder how that hit. Um, you know, I've been soaking in the animated series. That is the recommended way to yeah. experience it. But yes. most Star Wars fans don't. So I'm really curious about how the whole Inquisitorious stuff you know, un- un- yeah. Yeah, unless you've watched the animated series or you've played Fallen Order, you probably don't know the first thing about it. Ooh, me. Me. Yeah. And, That's you it. know, in, in Star Wars Rebels, he is voiced by Jason Isaacs and who I think I think had a lot more to work with, but is really chewing some scenery. And Rupert Friend is just present. Uh, and some of that may be the material he was given to work with. But I don't think he realizes that, like, the Grand Inquisitor is basically a cartoon vampire who is also a Jedi and uh, should be a little over the top, um, in, in my in my opinion. So I was it was kind of like, oh, why did you... Like, I know these are characters that have been established in canon and, like, they're in video games and, t- and animation and things like that. It just felt like they are here because maybe we, like, we have a we have a, a extra stock of uh, their action figures in a factory we got to move. I mean, I'd hope for more with them, I guess. I agree, but I think there's also the flip side of, like, if they weren't here, people would be like, where are the rest of the Inquisitors? <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah, uh, we can't rest, win. Yeah. We're losing. How can we only see three of the Inquisitors and there's a... Yeah, where are the other ones? It, it was interesting having played uh, Fallen Order because there's a lot of Inquisitor stuff and they actually yep. go to the, the Inquisitor fortress yes, in that. that. Repri- uh, yes, that shows up here as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was expecting yeah. Cal Kestis to basically come around a corner at some point in, in this show. Are but you also breaking into this place? <laughs> you know, the Star Wars Expanded Universe has always had that challenge of like, we can't use Darth Vader everywhere, but what do we do instead of Darth Vader? Uh, I will say the, the fight between Reva and Darth Vader did kind of reinforce the, these are these are not uh, bad guys on the same level as Darth Vader. So I appreciated right. you, that. You yeah. only train them up to a certain point because you want to yes. be able to just destroy them if you need to. <laughs> yes, they need to be disposable. Also, do they just increment the number each time they get a new one? Because, I think so. um, yeah. you know, spoilers for Fallen Order, the second sister doesn't have a great uh, history of that either. Uh, we also have a couple other people. We get uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Roken, who is the leader in the Path. Uh, the Path is sort of the proto, another sort of proto rebellion uh, organization that is dedicated to smuggling like people out of out from under the Empire, especially Jedi. Which I thought was an interesting addition to the canon, since we're like ten years in, the Rebel Alliance doesn't exist yet, really, and we still only have smatterings of that. So I, I enjoyed the way they colored in the world uh, by starting out mm-hmm. with sort of the the loose threads that are before they're coming together, and yeah. maybe those will uh, uh, connect into the next show coming out. I mean, it is it is interesting to show not just how does the rebellion form, but what are the different types of rebellions and resistances that are out there. Uh, you know, this one that is dedicated to uh, getting for sensitive children to safety, other ones that might be focused on keeping a specific planet safe, uh, other ones like uh, that, that might be fueled more by anger and vengeance. Uh, you know, I, I guess I am surprised how interesting I find that. I, I love this idea that they're going to add pieces to the world because surprise, Star Wars is not just Tatooine and mm-hmm. ships, uh, contrary to popular thoughts. Um, 
We are required to have one episode on Tatooine. It's true. It's it's just a- <laughs> they built the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I I like these. The goal of this show and most of the others seems to be let's sketch in the details in ways that the movies couldn't. Um, and in the ways that, I mean, I haven't actually watched any of the animated series. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Again, hashtag fake. You have so much. No, you have so many things to look forward to. My life is empty. You're you're doing great. (laughs) But I love, I love this idea that it's bringing the, these sketches of, you know, the Inquisitors, because I had no idea what the Inquisitors were and being able to like learn more about it without having to sit down and watch 8 million hours of animated series. And I like that they are very specifically choosing, it seems like, which pieces to involve into the series, but also like throw in a a handful for the hardcore fans, like just a little bit. uh, Oh, you like a wink, wink to the camera of like, you know who this person is. We don't need to go into, you know, a full, you know, diatribe of who this person might be. But if you recognize them, cool. If not, it's not going to take you out, which is something that I think all of the Star Wars is Star Wars Wars of anyways, all of these shows. Yes, thank you. Uh, all of these 10 seem to be doing a really good job of handling the, you know, movie only fans with the like, die hard, that will never be happy anyways. But hey, let's give them a little bit of a treat type of a feeling. So no one is feeling excluded necessarily. I, I do think that the, these live action shows do seem to be Dave Filoni rummaging in his uh, box of ideas. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I created this person. Let's put them in. Um, But I do enjoy it as well. So I think that you're right, but it's not just Dave Filoni, thankfully. It's your uh, Deborah Chow's and your uh, John Favreau's coming in from the outside to push it in in a direction where, I mean, even Star Wars Rebels, the first season had Greg Wiseman involved. Uh, Filoni strikes me as a good storyteller, but he's mainly there to sort of keep the George Lucas flame alive, I feel like. And Mm -hmm. this feels like an original story using a lot of established elements. And that just feels like the, the ideal mix for me. It's not a, it's not a retread. It's not the kind of fan fiction that just spells out things that you already knew. Yeah. Darth Vader has an has a character arc. Obi-Wan Kenobi has a character arc. Reva has a character arc. Um and we learn new things about Leia. Um all of these things are just great reasons for this story to exist. Yeah. I think it's probably worth mentioning that you know the having Deborah Chow as the director for this entire series uh led to a very different kind of effect than the previous mm-hmm. Star Wars shows mm-hmm. that had your rotating uh, cast of directors and even Deborah Tao was directed, what, two episodes of The Mandalorian? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt, you know, that was kind of a feature of The Mandalorian is that, that the episodes would each feel uh, uh, very different and have a different tone to them. Then you had, say, The Book of Boba Fett, which felt uh, maybe that wasn't as much of a feature. But I guess I appreciated that this did feel much more like there was a very consistent tone and through line and and uh, that having a consistent director throughout uh made this feel 
I guess, a lot more like a long, a six-hour movie uh, in a good way, uh, as opposed to the uh, kind of more fragmented experience uh, of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to mention the production a little bit, too, because I think, you know, Tony, to your point about having a consistent tone and through line, I think what was one other real win of this show was feeling like, to me, you really did drop you down into the world of Star Wars. And it's no surprise, obviously, after having done several shows and movies, that they start to have a much better handle of what is the Star Wars world like. Um, and in this world, we you know we get to visit a bunch of different planets, and we see you know different technology and ships and robots and aliens and people and all of that. And I felt, in some ways, this was the most true to sort of the original trilogies of almost any other previous Star Wars production I've seen. In part because I think it's so close in terms of timing uh, to when mm-hmm. it takes place, mm-hmm. but. It did feel to me very much like I, I thought the the overall production and look and feel of the series was tremendously faithful to the original source material. Yeah, I, I would also say I think the production design, there was some of the things in it like the uh, lighting from the sabers, mm-hmm. which was extremely effective in this, like in the last fight and stuff. There, there was a lot more, you know, very dark scenes. Some people complain about the dark scenes, but, you know, just lit by people with holding lightsabers and things. And just visually, I thought... Uh, it was better in some ways than the the films. Any other particular thoughts that people wanted to, uh, stuff we haven't discussed yet? I did want to say that one of the things that disappointed me a little bit about this season, about this season, you know, maybe we'll get another story, who knows, but um, part four, uh, the the siege on fortress inquisitorius or the not the, or just infiltration it felt like such a note for note recreation of uh the death star plot in mm. in a new hope uh that was the, that was just the lowest part of the of the of uh, otherwise uh, great story and that was one of those moments where i felt like you know i have seen this before um you're even going in there to rescue leia you know yeah. Um, it, um, it, 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 it hits a lot of the very same beats and everything else felt a lot more original to me. I, I could have done with something slightly more clever than a large trench coat. As the plan. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, as I said before, most of the, 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 the ideas they had for things in the original films weren't that great either. So. Um, I, I would shout out uh, the music, which I thought was very good, which was by Natalie Holt, who also did the Loki soundtrack, and oh, with, yeah. some John Williams. Theme by John well. Williams, and there's also a third composer, uh, William Ross, who is involved as well. Uh, but there's really good. There's a mix of old and new themes, which I think is really well handled. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about, in particular, I think what is... I think one of the most interesting bits, which James just alluded there at the end, which is the final fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. There's been obviously a lot of, uh, I would say, ink spilled in previous days, tweets typed, I guess, these days, uh, about the relationship between Obi-Wan and Vader and how this relates to sort of where uh, they find themselves in episode four, the Star Wars episode four, not episode four of this show. Um, Thank you. <laughs> we need the clarification. I know we yeah. now need the clarifications. I I thought that fight was remarkably well done, not just from a production and visual standpoint, but I thought that the relationship on display there, and particularly as we've mentioned, I think Tony, you mentioned seeing Hayden Christensen when the mask is sort of smashed. I thought all of that was extremely effective and really did a great job of bridging 
the prequels with the original trilogy in a way that hasn't always been done great before. Yeah. I will say with that scene, it was a very direct echo of a scene in Mm -hmm. uh, Rebels where Ahsoka does exactly the same. Goes through a lot of helmets, that Darth Vader. Yeah, but on the other (laughs) side of the helmet, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that was... I really enjoyed that. And and I also liked seeing, you know, basically... uh, uh, Ewan's Obi Wan in full. Uh, I'm just going to pick up every single rock here and throw them at you yeah. and smash <laughs> up your chest and and all this stuff. I, I like the fact that neither of them can really bring themselves to kill the other one. You know, it's just like uh, I'll put you under some rocks or I'll do this <laughs> yeah. and then I'll just walk away. You're grounded. Oh, wow. a lot, lot of nerds have feelings about people walking away from uh, people that have stabbed, stabbed with lightsabers. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it just. I don't know. The the people who have, have murdered a lot of people with their own hands and have feelings about how other people should do it are very vocal on Twitter. It's uh it's rough. And a little worrying. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked the, the the characters like it wasn't just a fight between two people. It you could tell there was this relationship between them. You you could feel that um this was a conversation in a way that all of the best, yes. you know, sword fights and stuff are thinking of, you know, the Princess Bride sword fight and that that conversation. It feels the same way. It feels like this is this is how this is how they sit down with therapy. <laughs> they beat each other with laser <laughs> yeah. swords. I mean, uh, Vader goes from I am what you made me I, to I am not your failure. Yeah. Those moments of insight that uh, happen you know, with the shifting, uh, with the shifting backlighting of the uh, different lightsabers, uh, you know, uh, Anakin has a brief moment of clarity, and the lightsaber reflection light is blue, and then he says, "And that's why I'll destroy you," and things uh, turn red again. Um, it 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 really is a, it really is a dynamic, uh, thoughtful thing. You never really got to see the depth of feeling between Anakin and Obi-Wan at their best in the movies. You had to go to the animated series for that, for the Clone Wars. But getting that uh, and getting that sorrow from uh, out, of hate, out of Ewan McGregor, maybe that alone is the reason enough for this show to, be, to exist. Uh, that's yeah. what it adds to the canon. We also have to mention uh, Chekhov's Qui-Gon, who gets mentioned practically in every episode, and then mysteriously <laughs> does appear right at the end. Well, yeah, it's a, he's attained a new level. He's the Obi-Wan that we met in the original trilogy now. Uh, I, I appreciate Liam Neeson showing up for 30 seconds. I, I It must have that. taken longer to dress him than it did to film. <laughs> Almost certainly. Right. I, I mean, I always laughed at the end of Revenge of the Sith where Yoda's like, but BT dubs, I've been talking to Qui-Gon. You should chat with him. <laughs> like, yeah. out of nowhere. And I, I always laugh at it because it's a thing that was brought up after Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon's killed and all the nerds in those days were like, but how come he didn't disappear? Like, we didn't know, right? Like, how come he didn't disappear like Obi-Wan did? And George Lucas, I remember him saying at the time, like, don't worry, I've got I've got an explanation for it. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> two seconds at the end of the third movie. Like, he, oh, shoot, I forgot. I got to put that in. And like a three-parter in, in, in Clone, Clone Wars, Wars season but yeah, six. Yeah, but yeah. But you, you got to go sort of uh, far afield to find that. So um, I appreciated that he gets a little bit of a bridge there, too. And I guess uh, 
season two is Obi-Wan hanging out with Qui-Gon in his new house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean. Yep, just <laughs> redecorating. Yep. You I know, love it. Yeah. Painting, I you know. I want Moving it. furniture together. Seinfeld, you know. friends style, like roommate <laughs> mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, pivot. Yep. 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 I'm, couch, I'm here right? for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, so I was curious. I mean, Chip, mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, maybe there would be more seasons. I don't know if it, how do you feel about more stories about Obi-Wan Kenobi? Are you kind of done? I don't think it's necessary. Um, I think if yep. they can, if they come up with one, great. But uh, you know, if if you're dying for more Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, there's a fourth season episode of Rebels that you should really check out. Oh, I wonder if there is a, a episode of a complicated profession where we cover that. Episode, Tony, I'm Dan. so glad no, you mentioned that. Could that. Be it. <laughs> there is. Oh, but Dan, I think that episode is only available to members. Never mind. <laughs> if you want to be a member of, <laughs> no, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> Thanks. Got places to be. Continue. I would love to see, um, you know, Leia Organa uh, season of this whole vibe um, and have Obi-Wan show up for, I don't know, uh, going to the fair, maybe takes them to the carnival or the circus. Like, let's just have them hanging out. Space as, cotton as, candy. As yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bump, bumper, bumper cars with Jawas. Yeah. 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 What yeah. is the Star Wars equivalent of a Ren fair? That's a, is it a Jedi? Uh, no, you get in real trouble if you hold the Jedi Fair. The Empire does not like that. Yeah, <laughs> no. uh, Stormtrooper Fair, maybe Old like, old, Re- yeah. old Republic Fair. Yeah. They probably have like parades of their military equipment or something. Wookie, Wookie cosplaying like a Wookie, like oh, uh, uh, that's cultural appropriation. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Um, I, I would happily take an Obi Wan series every few years. You know, if Ewan McGregor needs a bigger house, <laughs> just give him another series. And mm. uh, but yeah, let. I would like, we, there's multiple characters in this that I would like to see again turning up in something. So I think that's one measure of its success. It does It does feel as though we have perhaps embarked upon the um, Star Wars taking another shot at the Marvel-style interconnected universe where we have limited series that deal with some character or another, but people kind of move around between them, uh, as we already have seen with The Mandalorian in Book of Boba Fett. So I would not be surprised to see some familiar faces perhaps pop up in Andor, which is the next show that's going to start airing at the end of August. Um, And certainly I feel as though uh, there's a lot of it's a there's a rich tapestry of Star Wars. And frankly, you have such a great bench of people that you can bring in and out that it. So hear me out. Like when we met baby Yoda in The Mandalorian, he was like 60 or something. Uh-huh. That means we can have baby, baby Yoda and Leia. Oh, God. Oh, baby, baby Yoda rides around on Lola. Head cannon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts to uh, wrap up our conversation with here? Uh, when are we going to get the show about Obi-Wan's brother? <laughs> <laughs> I always assumed that was a little Easter egg for the uh, very, if you read back in the novelization of Star Wars, Owen is supposed to be Obi-Wan's brother. Uh, so I always assumed that was kind of a tip of the hat to that. But I don't think we're ever going to meet uh, George Kenobi. <laughs> I don't know. What's his name? <laughs> Gerald. Gerald Kenobi. He can be played by uh, Ewan McGregor and, and just do it in the current chronology when he's a bit older. Mm-hmm. And he's just his twin brother. Mm-hmm. There is, I don't know if you, maybe you haven't seen that at Season of Fargo, uh, but anyway. They, they meet each other and they're both like, hello there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hello there. Hello there. Uh, well, I, I, I did like the hello there. I know it was cheap, but I did enjoy oh, it. Oh, no, I, I'm here for all of the cheap, uh, all of it. Give, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> All right, well, it sounds like we have finished our discussion. So I, as always, would like to thank 
my panelists for being here. Kathy Campbell, thank you for discussing Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Goodbye there, maybe. <laughs> Move along. Uh, James Thompson, thank you for being here. Who's in the gutter now? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Chip Sutterth, always a pleasure. I don't have a catchphrase. Enjoyed it. Thank you. And Tony Sindelar. Uh, very well, Darth. I mean, Danth? D- 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 Darth uh, Dantha. Dantha, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say if you are interested in a more blow-by-blow breakdown of Obi-Wan Kenobi, you can, of course, find that over at A Complicated Profession here on the Incomparable Network, where Tony and Kat Benish and I discuss each episode. So that's your source for the, uh, the real nitty-gritty <laughs> more than the hour that we uh, have to wrap up this show Uh, But thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, may the Force be with you. And also also with with you. you.